So this is Sarah Atkinson, and she's going to be sharing her testimony with us today. Um, well, my name is Sarah Atkinson, like Danny said, and um, I brought a picture of our family because I don't do tech very well. So um, this is my husband, Dan. Uh, we've been married for 16 years this year, and then Brayden up here in the corner, he's 13. Uh, Macy is 11, and the little guy with the football is Denver, and he is six. So... Um, now, we have lived in Tennessee for the last six years, uh, but the first 10 years of our family life was spent here in Cape Girardeau, and um, Cape Bible Chapel was my church home, and this was my mops group, so um, I'm very excited to get to come back here and uh, just see some familiar faces again, but also that there's just a lot of new faces here. Um, so it's great to see this group still going and um, everybody's still, still meeting. Um, the story that I've been asked to share with you today is uh, the perfect example of one of my favorite Bible verses. Uh, that's Proverbs 169 uh, that says, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And the plans that I had for my life and the plans the Lord had for my life were thankfully very different. Is this, is this okay? Can y'all hear me okay? Um, so it looked a lot different than this picture. This, this is not what I had planned. Um, and as difficult as it is to stand before you and share some of the more sinful details of my past, um, I'm excited to get to share with you the amazing ways that God has worked in my life and um, how he used the unexpected uh, circumstance of motherhood to draw me into a relationship with him. So um, in every believer's life, uh, there's a before and after, your life before Christ and your life after Christ. So I just want to start by giving you some background um, into my life before Christ um, for 29 years, I called myself a Christian, and I had always considered myself a Christian for, for many reasons. Um, I was raised in a, a loving home with Christian parents um, who took me to church every Sunday and um, taught me about God and Jesus, taught me about the Bible, um, taught me to pray before meals and bedtime. And my parents were very active in their church. They still are. Um, they still serve faithfully, um, teaching Sunday school and singing in the choir and um, helping people in the community. So if there was such a thing as Christian by association, that was me. Um, I, I knew that Christ died for my sins on the cross. Um, I'd heard that my whole life. Um, as far as I was concerned, I was a Christian and I would most likely go to heaven. Um, but what I had acquired over all of those years uh, was more of a head knowledge than a heart knowledge of the gospel. And uh, what I had learned left me focusing more on how to follow certain rules or um, just how to act a certain way rather than walking in a real saving relationship with the Lord. So um, in 1 John chapter 2, uh, we hear a couple of things. First, we're told... Uh, that the person who says they know Christ but doesn't keep his commandments uh, is a liar and the truth is not in them. 
And I was definitely not keeping God's commandments. I didn't even know what God's commandments really were. Um, and it also says, uh, do not love the world or anything in the world. Um, if anyone loves the world, the Father is not in him. And basically, uh, you know, to love the world is to be an enemy of God, and that's what I was. I loved the world, and that was my playground. And uh, one of the main ways that I rejected God in my life uh, was just doing whatever I wanted. And as a teenager, um, I got more freedom. I indulged in all kinds of very reckless, godless behavior, um, including, but not limited to, uh, drug and alcohol abuse and uh, promiscuity, drunk driving, um, all the while completely disrespecting and disobeying my parents, um, who would never want me to do those things. And um, thankfully, I, I never died. I'm here. I never went to jail. Uh, but I should have done both. Uh, many times and even during that time um, as I was God's enemy uh, he was pouring out his grace and mercy on me he was blessing me he was protecting me uh, because he knew that the plans he had for my life were so much better than mine now this time of rebellion was not evident to everybody around me um, I was still able to look good I was still able to keep up all my good grades in high school. I was earning academic awards, um, doing the things that were expected of me. And while I'd like to say that eventually I grew out of that rebellious stage, um, what actually happened was I just became an adult. And now the sins that I had been indulging in were more socially acceptable, right? Because according to TV and, and the, the culture, it, it's okay if you do those things once you're a grown-up. Um, so according to the world, I was very successful. Um, I had steady, meaningful relationships. I was working my way through college. I had great jobs. I had a great apartment. It's always important. Um, I was going to school here at CMO um, to get a bachelor's degree in psychology, and then I went on to get a master's degree in uh, mental health uh, counseling, and then I started a career uh, here in town at Community Counseling Center. So again, from the world's view, it appeared that everything in my life was great, and I had it all. Um, but we're told in 1 Samuel 16, 7, that the Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Uh, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And my heart at the time was, was ugly. It was full of sin. Um, and the sad thing was I just I had no clue. I didn't know it was there. I didn't know I was really doing anything wrong. And I had no idea that I had to be rescued from it. And even then, um, God continued to bless me. And one of those blessings came in the form of a man named Dan. Uh, we were set up on a blind date by a mutual friend, and we had both just gotten out of some long-term relationships and said, we're not looking for anything serious. Uh, but that is the same Dan in this picture with our three children. Um, so as you can see, we, we quickly changed our minds <laughs> about the serious part. And um, we, we just had everything in common uh, because we like to sin in the same ways, uh, so we got along great. And um, the, the funny thing is that we both considered ourselves to be Christians. Uh, we both uh, said that our faith was very important to us, even though our lifestyles clearly contradicted that. 
so um, shortly after we were married in 2006, uh, people started to ask us, when are you going to have kids? And we would just laugh, and um, we knew that we were too selfish to have kids. Uh, we we like to travel, we like to party, we like to uh, spend money, and we were very uh, career-focused. And we knew that kids were loud and smelly and would not go well with that lifestyle. <laughs> so uh, we did not plan on having any children. Um, uh, about two years into our marriage, though, uh, we ended up with a positive pregnancy test. And um, to say that was a surprise is an understatement. Um, most people, when that happens, uh, it's, it's a joyous occasion and everybody's happy. Um, but it was the complete opposite for me. Um, I was devastated and I felt like um, my plans were, were falling all around me. Um, for my life. So, I knew that if I, uh, well, two thoughts, two thoughts came to mind. The, the first thought was, maybe this isn't true. Maybe this isn't happening. Um, this, this could be wrong. Um, but the second thought was, if it is true, if this is um, accurate, then I need to go somewhere and get some options because I knew that if I wanted to end this pregnancy, um, I, I had a short window to do that. So, and, and even at this point, um, I considered Christ to be an important part of my life, um, even though clearly he was not part of any of my decision-making at that point. Um, and even as I was rejecting him in this situation, um, he was blessing me and working everything according to his perfect timing. So I tried to get in uh, to my regular OB and they were booked up. So I headed frantically over to the ER and um, tearfully explained my situation to the nurse. And when I inquired about my options for ending the pregnancy, um, she knelt down in front of me and started to tell me about her children and how she had two girls. And um, she didn't plan on having them either, uh, but uh, that she had been scared. It was a scary time for her, but they had been the best thing that had ever happened to her. And um, she hugged me, and she told me that I would not regret having this baby. And from that point on, um, I began to have uh, the thought that this baby was a gift from God. And, and who was I to reject his gift? And honestly, I was afraid um, of what might happen to me if I did. So for me, um, the fear of the Lord truly was the beginning of wisdom. And I walked across the hospital to Dan's office, because that's where he worked at the time. And um, I shared my thoughts with him. And he agreed he would support me in whatever I wanted to do. Um, so that afternoon, um, instead of making phone calls to clinics, we were making phone calls to our parents to let them know the good news that they would be grandparents. So I'm forever grateful for the way that day turned out. Um, but as I started to wrap my, my brain now around the fact that I was going to be a parent, um, the many responsibilities that I was going to have started to weigh on me. And it occurred to me that I would be responsible for teaching this child about God, about heaven, about how to be a Christian. Um, and then it occurred to me that I didn't know anything about that. Even for um, the way I was raised, I never paid attention to any of those things. 
Um, but again, God provided in his perfect timing um, a wonderful friend who not only helped me survive pregnancy, but was also a, a strong believer in Christ and able to shepherd me in spiritual ways as well. Um, she is a friend to many of you, and she is a very important person in a lot of our testimonies here. Um, and her name is Brooke Bullinger, and she invited me to a Bible study that she was having in her home. And one night, when it was just the two of us, um, she asked me if I was saved. Now, I, I wasn't even sure what that meant, because in my life at that time, um, only crazy people or super religious people use that term. Um, maybe a little both, I don't know. But she, uh, I, I didn't know it was a biblical term. And so I, I just said, oh yeah, I'm good, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Um, but the more that I thought about that answer, um, the less sure that I was. And so this uncertainty just, you know, it led to more questions and more discussions and more time in the Bible. And, and eventually to me realizing that I had not surrendered anything to the Lord. And I did not have a personal saving relationship with Christ. Um, just this week, uh, Denver and I were reading out of the Beginner's Bible over here. And uh, we were doing the story about Jesus healing the blind beggar. And we talked about, you know, how Jesus healed this man who had been born physically blind. He couldn't see from birth. And um, Jesus healed him and gave him sight. And we are born spiritually blind. Like, we cannot see the things of God until Jesus heals us and opens our eyes. And that's what he did for me. He opened my eyes to the fact that I was a sinner in need of a savior. And um, when that happened, everything in my life started to change. Um, it made a difference in my life now that, that Christ offered grace and forgiveness through his death and resurrection. And Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 states that when you're saved by grace through faith, you are marked. Uh, in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And, you know, that just means that his spirit comes to live inside you. And um, when he gets there, it's like he just starts cleaning house. And that's what he did for me. Um, suddenly, the things in my life that used to make sense and bring me comfort um, did not hold that same appeal anymore. And I became convicted um, in every facet of my life um, from, you know, the TV shows that I watched, the books I read, the music that I listened to, that was a very big idol for me. Um, the, the language that I used, the way I treated people, um, all of these things changed uh, almost immediately. And um, church was no longer a chore or a social box to be checked off, but um, it was something I enjoyed. And I wanted to be with other believers to worship and to serve, and that, that had never been present in my life before. Um, I wanted to read my Bible, like constantly. Every day I was getting things out of it. Um, I wanted to pray and be in constant communication with the Father, and those things were never happening in my life before that. So um, my life had become the definition of 2 Corinthians 5.17. Uh, that Christ makes us into a new creation. Uh, the old has gone and the new has come. 
And while these changes were taking place all across my life and in all the different areas, um, these changes were very evident in my marriage and my career and my parenting. And so that's just what I want to share a little bit uh, about each of those areas with you today. So on the topic of marriage, uh, the Bible warns us about being unequally yoked, which in a nutshell just means you know, marrying somebody with a different spiritual belief than you. Um, and, and we're given this warning with good reason because it can cause a lot of problems. Uh, now, Paul also tells us in, in another place that um, marriage in general can cause us a lot of problems, but we, that, that's a different talk, it's a different day. Um, we're gonna stick with this. So when Dan and I got married, we were equally yoked. Um, we were both unbelievers calling ourselves Christians. So we had the same values and goals. We enjoyed the same hobbies. Um, but once Christ truly changed my heart, um, we were no longer the same. And we disagreed on almost all of these things now. Um, every issue within our marriage became affected by this. Um, uh, from, from parenting to finances uh, to friendship to where we would go to church, whether we would go to church, all of these things uh, were happening. Um, and for, for a long time, for many years, uh, it seemed like my faith was drawing a wedge between us. But with God, all things are possible. Um, and even then, he was working greater things in our marriage. Um, he was using those struggles to draw us closer to him and closer to each other. Um, there were a lot of sleepless nights. There was a lot of hopelessness about the direction of our marriage and what was gonna happen. Um, but that hopelessness drove me to the Lord in uh, a greater humility and dependence than I'd ever really needed before. So um, I had to learn to trust the Lord even when I didn't trust or agree with my husband. Um, I had to put down my loud controlling ways and um, learn not only to submit, but to live out my faith with a gentle, quiet spirit in hopes that my husband would be won over without words. Um, as it's outlined in 1 Peter chapter 3, you know, by him witnessing the purity and reverence of my own life, which was not an easy thing to do. Um, I also took great comfort from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, verses 13 and 14 that says, If a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, um, she must not divorce him, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. And, um, you know, the Lord used those things to bring me to a point of understanding that even if Dan never came to Christ, um, that was still where the Lord was calling me to be, uh, to live out my faith before my husband and my children. And I had to trust that he was going to equip me in every way to do that, because that was a real struggle. And if this is a situation that you find yourself in today, um, I just want to encourage you that he will equip you as well. Um, it did take some time, but God, I should have worn my shirt, but God today, um, in his faithfulness, he did win my husband over 
um, eventually. And in October of 2018, uh, nearly 10 years after I had been saved, um, Dan was baptized in Christ. And for the first time ever, we officially got to join our church as a couple, which is something we, we never did here. We never could. Um, but it happened. And um, for the last two years, he's been in a discipleship group for men. Um, and we actually just finished our first semester of Bible study as a couple. Um, so he's still working miracles in, in that department in our lives. So I just I hope that that's an encouragement if that's where you find yourself today. Um, not to give up and just keep trusting the Lord with that. Um, another area of my life that was greatly affected by Christ uh, was my career path. Um, when I became pregnant with Brayden, um, I had a successful career as a full-time counselor. I loved my job. I absolutely loved what I did. Um, I had a lot of great projects going at work that were really important to me that I wanted to be a part of. And throughout most of my pregnancy, I just assumed I would take maternity leave. I would go back part-time. Uh, and eventually full-time, I would just be a working mom. Um, but the Lord was working on me and my heart in that area as well. And as I dug deeper into his word, um, there was a verse in Proverbs that stood out to me. And it, it said, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. And the question kept coming back to me, um, how could I train him if I wasn't with him? So I started to feel like I was being called uh, to this higher purpose, and, and in order to fulfill that purpose, I was going to have to give up my current career to stay home with Braden. Now, this was an extremely difficult decision for me. Um, my career had really been number one, probably even above my marriage sometimes, um, because I had spent so much time and energy working towards it. Um, and, and when we put our finances down on paper, um, it did not look like we would be able to afford me staying home. We, we should not have been able to afford me staying home. Um, but thankfully, God's economy is much different than ours. And um, after a lot of prayer and, and heartache and hesitation, I did quit my job uh, to stay home with Braden. And I have been home ever since. Um, and God has provided more than we could ever ask or imagine in those years. Um, I, I realize that not all mothers are able to stay home. Um, I know that not all mothers feel convicted to stay home. Uh, but I'm just sharing my personal experience with you, which is that um, the Lord continually takes the things that have become like idols in my heart, and he removes them from me. He, he takes them from my life one way or another. And my career was most definitely an idol in my heart. Um, I took great pride in my accomplishments. I uh, boasted in my own confidence and knowledge to succeed. And I never really gave him any glory for any of that. So um, by God making me a mom and then a stay-at-home mom, um, he took me from a position of pride and uh, put me into an environment of which I knew absolutely nothing. Um, and he knew that I was going to be completely dependent on him 
um, for wisdom and strength. And I, I think he also knew that if I was going to grow in his word and live a life that was pleasing to him, um, I was going to have to be completely saturated with it every day. And, and I was going to have to do that far away from the world that I had loved for so long. So staying home offered me that opportunity uh, that I needed to, to really learn more about what it meant to follow Christ. So, so there I was. I was a new believer. Um, I was a new mom. And I was a new stay-at-home mom. And I needed a lot of help with each of those roles. Um, and you add to this just the struggles of being in a spiritually mismatched marriage um, and then finding out that there is a second surprise baby on the way. Um, and it's not hard to imagine that I felt very overwhelmed um, and unprepared for the things I was facing daily. And once again, the Lord stepped in with a, an opportunity um, for me to get connected with other moms who were a lot like me and... Um, you know, feeling the same things I was feeling. And once again, he used Brooke Bollinger, who's a great example of why you should just keep asking people to do stuff. Um, <clears throat> she invited me to attend a group called Mops here at Cape Bible Chapel. And through this group, I was able to um, talk with other moms who felt like I did, just overwhelmed and unsure. Um, but more importantly, many of them had a passion for Jesus. And uh, the ladies in this group became my army, and many of them are still in my army today. Um, even across the miles, I know that they're there for me, anything I would need. Um, and each month, I was able to learn a little bit more about what it looked like <clears throat> to be a mom who loved Christ. Um, I learned how to pray for my children, um, uh, how to pray scripture over them. Like, I can just remember Nita Sheets standing up here, and, and just I was just glued to every word um, but it, you know how to how to talk to them about God in everyday ways um, I learned how to discipline in love and not anger which doesn't make a lot of sense if you have a six-month-old but once you have a six-year-old or up you understand that that becomes a real issue and I still struggle with that um, but through mops I found as well a mentor mom who was willing to meet with me once a week outside of Mops. Um, <clears throat> we met for Bible study and for prayer and just general encouragement for whatever I happened to be facing that day. And with this army around me, um, with these godly ladies uh, that were constantly pouring into me and all these great opportunities the Lord had given me, um, he really started opening up my heart to the beauty of motherhood as a ministry. Um, and that I could affect some great change in the lives of my children. So I started to, to really live out Deuteronomy 6, uh, 5 through 9, that, that says, you know, it's very important to talk to your children about the Lord um, <clears throat> when they get up and when they lie down and when they walk along the road. And even the long nights of nursing and walking the floors uh, became opportunities to pray and spend time with the Lord and to pray over my children, to speak scripture over them, to sing hymns over them. Um, I started attending annual mom conferences with a lot of the MOPS moms, and we were going to women's retreats for church, and um, we were faithfully attending Brooks Thursday night ladies Bible study that lasted for years and was a great uh, source of, of wisdom and encouragement for a lot of us. Um, a few years into MOPS, 
the Lord laid it on my heart to create a mom group for working moms who weren't able to attend mops during the day. Um, so this is really, really funny that y'all are doing mom to mom because that's what we started with. We, we started doing uh, mom to mom once a month um, on Saturdays and we would just be there to support each other, um, dig deeper into God's word and um, just share our struggles and our joys as wives and mothers. Um, so I'm excited y'all get to do that too. Um, when my kids were school age, a little bit older, um, the Lord blessed me with a great opportunity to lead a Moms in Prayer group um, that I had also learned about here at MOP several years before, and I have provided you with some uh, little handouts on your table about that as well. Maybe some of you might be led to do the same thing. Uh, that group met every week um, to pray for our kids and our teachers and our school community. So that was a real blessing. And I share these highlights with you um, not to glorify me or what I have accomplished, but I want you to see what the Lord has accomplished through me um, in that short time. These, these are accomplishments at the time that had not even been on my radar just a few years prior. Um, you know, the Lord changed me from an unbelieving, independent, uh, in love with the world, career-driven woman uh, with no plans for children. Um, he changed me to a Christ-following mother of three uh, that was deeply immersed in the ministry of motherhood. And I'm so thankful uh, that, that this picture is how it turned out. Um, I'm thankful for this purpose and, and this family that he's entrusted me with. Um, and, and believe me, my life is far from perfect. Like, we are not always smiling, like in this picture. That is not a good representation of our day-to-day. -day. Um, we still face a lot of struggles in our marriage and in our parenting, and I still struggle every day with being in love with the world. It's a constant battle. Um, but uh, these are still the goals that my heart aims for every day, you know, is that we, we have gospel center goals for ourselves and for our family. And these are the goals that would never have been present without Christ in my life. So um, in closing, I would just ask you to consider these questions over the coming days and weeks. Um, you know, what is your story? What is your before and after? And how is Christ using unexpected circumstances in your life to draw you closer to him? Um, and I'd also ask how you can prioritize motherhood as a ministry in your own life. You know, you, you have a fertile mission field with these little ones, uh, being with them day in and day out. So I just encourage you to make the most of every opportunity to point them to Christ. Um, and maybe you're here today and um, you've never made the decision uh, to make Christ your personal Lord and Savior. And if that's the case, then your story can start today. Um, you can do that right where you are in your chair, um, or you can talk with a mentor mom or a trusted friend after this. But if you do make that decision, let somebody know um, so that they can help guide you and pray for you and just kind of see what to do next. Um, so I just want to thank you again for the opportunity to come and speak um, and to share Christ's work in my life. Um, it's such a blessing to get to come back here and um, share these things with you and see uh, all your wonderful faces. 
I hope that what you heard uh, was encouraging to you today, and um, I hope you walk away just knowing more about um, who Christ is and what he's done for us, and, and just how much he wants to be a part of your family and your ministry of motherhood. Okay, let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just, I thank you so much, God, for your goodness, um, for your grace and mercy that you just continuously pour out on us. Um, we don't deserve a thing, but because of Jesus, Lord, you are, you are so good to us, and we just thank you for all of that. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your son. Thank you for uh, his death and resurrection that, that gives us new life. And Lord, I just I thank you for this group of ladies and the ways that you work uh, through mops to bring moms to Christ and to point their children to Christ. Lord, we know that we cannot save our children, but God, we can point them to the one who can. And I just pray, Father, a special blessing over each one of the families represented here today, Lord, that these moms will take every opportunity to point their families to you. And that in that obedience, Lord, you will pour out your blessings on them. And Father, we just pray, God, that you will uh, speak to each of these hearts. You know the needs of these ladies. You know their situations. I just pray, Father, that you will minister to them in whatever way they need today, God, to draw them closer to you and to draw them into a saving relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.